human rights to geopolitics, the economy to international relations, this is your place to get updates on the things that are shaping our world. This is your host, Aish Gujral, and you're listening to World Week. In today's episode, we will first look into recent political developments across the world. Next, we'll delve into President Nayib Bukele of El Salvador and his functioning as the president of the country. And finally, we'll look into the problems facing Brazil, from deforestation to COVID-19. But first, recent political developments in our world. The novel coronavirus in the United States opens up two new hotspots, Texas and California, on top of the already existing tumultuous area of Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York. After the killing of George Floyd in Minnesota, the state's legislature attempted to pass reform in policing procedures, but unfortunately has been unable to do so in the past month. Suriname's president, Daisy Baturs, recently lost an election after being in power for more than 40 years. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro's son, Flavio Bolsonaro, was recently arrested by the police. The former president of Kyrgyzstan was recently sentenced to 11 years of prison. Increasing tensions between North Korea and South Korea make North Korea threaten the opposing country that they would deploy troops in a demilitarized zone between the two countries in response to South Korea's attack on Kim Jong-un's power as the despot of North Korea. The United States names four more Chinese social media accounts that were spreading fake news, CCTV, China News Service, The People's Daily and Global Times that will all produce propaganda for the Chinese Communist Party. Two people died on an attack of a Turkish military base in Somalia after a suicide bomber attacked them. The Egyptian president, Abdel Fateh al-Sisi, threatened to intervene in Libya if General Khalifa Haftar attempted to capture Sirte, a very strategic port in the region. But finally, COVID-19 increases its cases in Brazil as the now forefront of COVID-19 deaths, as well as in India, which is now gaining in its rate of cases and deaths significantly. COVID-19 has made us closer to our family members than perhaps ever before. But perhaps the best example of which, even outside of COVID-19, is El Salvadorian President Naib Bukele, who has attempted to put numerous family members of his in power, and perhaps is even a dictator of the small emerging economy in Central America. So, as we look into El Salvador's trek to become a developed country in the modern world, we see that the millennial president, Nayib Bukele, may be hindering its future. The story of El Salvador is no simple one, and to cohesively understand the history of the issue, we need to take a step back from the myopic El Salvador and Nayib Bukele question 
and in fact, look to a much broader understanding of the issue. In fact, ever since the end of its civil war in 1992, there have been two large political parties that have had grip of the politics within El Salvador for many years. In fact, the past four presidents have been from those very two political parties, and three out of those four presidents have been charged with corruption. To more deeply and effectively understand the issue at hand, we look towards an article published by The Economist on May 7th of 2020 regarding Nayib Bukele's power grab in El Salvador. It explains that in COVID-19, President Nayib Bukele has perhaps attempted to undermine democracy as a whole. They claim that his draconian lockdown is the only way to protect El Salvadorians from the pandemic. However, his critics think that he is using the crisis to destroy institutions that upheld a democracy since the end of the 1992 and ruinas of the civil war. We find that Nayib Bukele is perhaps using COVID-19 as an attempt to undermine the very institutions that are upholding his developing economy. You see, things from healthcare to education are being in lockdown and underpressed by numerous countries across the globe. But perhaps for El Salvador, Nayib Bukele is taking it a bit too far by not allowing the very bureaucrats at the top to do what they want to improve the nationalistic view of the society as well as the developments of their institutions, Nayib Bukele is attempting to create a corruption-based rule that has perhaps been the alternative to a two-party system and rather make his third party the main political spectrum of El Salvador as a whole. You see, President Nayib Bukele came out strong, especially after the election. Four-fifths of the people approved of his handling of the pandemic, and emigration from El Salvador dropped ever since he became president, probably because he campaigned on anti-crime and lowered poverty rates. This means that his support within his politics and people is very, very strong. But at the same time, we needed to look towards the first warning of what El Salvadorians called the 9F, or the February 9th. The primary issue on this front is that many directors and legislators across El Salvador claim that Nayib Bukele's handling of the pandemic originally on February 9th was very, very kid-like. In fact, the president even acted like a kid who didn't want his homework to be pulling from the file alarm at school, said a businessman. El Salvador and Nayib Bukele's handling of COVID-19 has become a very contentious issue of their politics. But perhaps more importantly, we need to look towards his corporatist family project, says an economist in El Salvador. You see, Nayib Bukele is in fact putting his family members in power, from his brothers Karim, Ibrahim, and Yusuf, who are now influential associates of himself. We find that Nayib Bukele is attempting to move forward in this corporatist family project, as the economist claimed. So overall, El Salvador is a touchy subject for most Central American politics and decisions. But President Nayib Bukele of El Salvador isn't that bad, although numerous media places like to claim that he is perhaps a millennial dictator, maybe he's not so much of it. Because his handling of COVID-19 has been very restrictive, but at the same time many people are standing behind him. Along with that, he has increased the amount of immigration and decreased the amount of emigration, meanwhile improving their economy and allowing COVID-19 to not subject their agricultural sector to too much damage, we find that Nayib Bukele is in general doing great things to help move El Salvador towards becoming a developed country. So although the 
Economist, or even the Freedom House, like to claim that El Salvador has a 66 out of 100 in its freedom rating, unfortunately, this very number is on the verge of becoming a free country. Because the Freedom House finds that if there's a 66% freedom rating in El Salvador, just 1% more would mean that they would now be a free country according to its guidelines. So, El Salvador is moving in the right direction. And Nayib Bukele, although with minimal experience as a simple 38-year-old president of El Salvador, is doing good things. It's crucial that Nayib Bukele looks back on his nepotismic regime with a critical glance and also look towards his handling of COVID-19 to make sure that critics cannot claim too much against his increasing of democracy because I stand behind him. His development for El Salvador is creating a brighter future and paving the path of development in the long-term future ahead. If you're interested to learn more about this subject or are personally involved in it, please reach out to us, The World Week, at our Instagram handle at the underscore world underscore week. We find that interactions with our podcast mean that our listeners have a more amazing experience listening to it. So please reach out to us if you want to learn more. But there's another thing in our agenda. The largest democracy in Latin America, Brazil, is perhaps going through its most tumultuous time as a country as a whole. You see, from military interventions on their very own people, COVID-19, health ministers being fired, Jair Bolsonaro's failures in politics, and even deforestation, Brazil is going through a very tough time, and it's important we recognize the issues that are plaguing its politics and economy. President Jair Bolsonaro is the current leader of Brazil. Before him, the two previous presidents were impeached, both of which were far left-wing politicians, but were both impeached for corruption, the very thing that Jair Bolsonaro is accused to be involved in. Jair Bolsonaro and President Trump of the United States have many similarities. Both of them are far right-wing politicians and perhaps have led to a large political divide as a whole within their political spectrums, respectively. But Bolsonaro is accused to be both a nepotist and a corrupt official. His both of his sons were allegedly involved in disinformation campaigns that the courts attempted to investigate, and they also intended to investigate Jair Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro has an ally within the court and is attempting to limit the court's power as a whole, and as a result, he's using his power as the president, the head of state of Brazil, to ensure that whatever he wants and the attempt on his alleged son's disinformation campaign completely fails. You see, the political spectrum within Brazil is set up in a way that gives the president extreme power. Although it's a democracy, and although there are checks and balances on power, when it comes to things like COVID-19, and even court rulings, the president has far more power than any other portion of the government. You see, in COVID-19, President Jair Bolsonaro has taken a strong stance, just similar to that of President Trump. Another similarity between the two presidents, both of them have claimed that they have had the malaria, the anti-malaria drug that actually works on COVID-19. But unfortunately, recent health reports claim that that very anti-malarial drug is not successful, and in fact has many side effects that can even worsen symptoms of COVID-19. But when we look specifically as to the handling of COVID-19, we find that two health ministers have already been fired since the beginning of COVID-19 in Brazil. And unfortunately, Jair Bolsonaro is moving the country towards a very difficult future in its handling. 
You see, Latin America is now officially the next hotspot for COVID-19 in the global sphere. This was reported by the WHO. You see, as Jair Bolsonaro continually rejects the claim that COVID-19 can actually hurt its population, we find that only 50% of the population is currently in quarantine, in lockdown. Well, health officials claim that they need at least 70%, at minimum 70% of the population to be in quarantine and protected to ensure that COVID-19 can actually be mitigated for. And they need this for at least two and a half weeks. But President Jair Bolsonaro continually riles up his supporters to claim that COVID-19 is not actually a threat. In fact, he even said to the people who have died from COVID-19 that I, that, and I quote, it's people's destiny to die. And he said he's not sorry about this very claim, even after being revolted against by the social media side of the picture. After two health ministers being gone and political problems becoming increasing, as well as the issue over hydrochloroquine, we find that Jair Bolsonaro's handling of COVID-19 has been very, very, perhaps delusional. But we also need to look towards the perhaps future of a military intervention within Brazil. You see, Jair Bolsonaro is a military official. His background is in the military. And in his recent pension cutdown on all jobs across the country, it didn't apply to the military. He, in fact, is supporting the military on terms that have been never seen before in Brazil. And as a whole, he's causing the military intervention and the future that Jair Bolsonaro and his government are attempting to push back on their opposition with a military force has been coming to the picture. And this is something that we need to ensure that we're taking a look at in the future of the Brazilian politics. But also, at the same time, investors are fleeing from COVID-19 and Jair Bolsonaro's handling of it. And as a result, perhaps the best solution to this issue is trading infrastructural growth and subsidies with these very companies that are attempting to flee from Brazil for democracy. This can allow his country to both prosper economically and politically. But although there are more pressing issues, more timely issues like COVID-19, Jair Bolsonaro's charges against him, and military intervention, there is still the everlasting issue of deforestation. My climate change geeks out there. Deforestation in Brazil is perhaps the biggest issue that we need to fight back on for climate change. You see, as a whole, it is late in the season, and the supply side is very, very big. You see, COVID-19 hit, and the agricultural and deforestation side of Brazil's economy were at a huge excess of materials, because there was simply less demand for certain objects. But at the same time, if Jair Bolsonaro does not give them enough time to react, unfortunately, his agricultural sector will see a huge downfall if they cannot increase their production fast enough to account for the increasing demand across the globe. But we need to look towards their deforestation rates because oxygen coming from the Amazon rainforest is very important to not only Brazil, but also across the globe. Unfortunately, Bolsonaro has had little regard to the indigenous people that are being impacted by the very climate change issues. You see, he's openly called for deforestation and numerous other hunting techniques that have been against the environment as a whole. And when we look towards their public health, we find 
that the increase in public health uh, safety, as well as more pollution and non-communicable diseases at 68% of deaths across the world, we find that Bolsonaro and his government are unfortunately not taking enough of a hit from the deforestation side of the picture. It's important that they look to decrease deforestation and ensure that the drier climates within the rainforest do not come to the picture. Recent reports claim that in a place like the Amazon rainforest, there are signs of becoming a drier forest because deforestation is becoming too much. In 2019, 10,000 of the uh, trees were taken away. And already, in as of May of 2020, just five out of the 12 months in, we've seen that 6,000 trees have been taken down. This is 60% of what happened in the whole last year. And considering that we're in a lockdown to some extent, this is huge. And dry season hasn't even hit yet. This is a very important to note that deforestation has perhaps even doubled within the past few months. And it's something that we needed to take a look at. Because without it, our country, or rather world, is at a complete doomsday. So, Brazil is an important issue in Latin America. From problems ranging from COVID-19 to deforestation, Jair Bolsonaro and military interventions, Brazil is plagued by numerous issues in its politics today. But now looking back at Brazil and El Salvador, there are numerous similarities between the two. From corruption to agricultural sectors to trying to improve to become a developed country in the future, both of them are on similar tracks towards the future, except they're on different stages of it. Brazil is at a much larger scale, because they are, in fact, the biggest democracy, while El Salvador, a smaller country, is attempting to do similar things, but at a much smaller scale. But the trends are visible. I encourage you to look towards developing countries, the trends towards uh, environment and climate change, as well as reducing poverty as a whole, as well as corruption. These are trends that are prominent within Latin American and Central American countries, and perhaps are huge talking points on the issues. Once again, thank you for listening to today's podcast on El Salvador, Brazil, and the recent political developments this week. Human rights to geopolitics, the economy to international relations, this is your place to get updates on the things that are shaping our world. This is your host, Aish Gujral, and you're listening to World Week. you're interested in getting involved or even creating a podcast of your own, please reach out to me to the social media accounts that are linked to this podcast.